and maybe over the course of like millennia, like well, like the Buddhist metaphor of the bird grinding its beak against the rock and slowly reducing it to a pile of sand, I'll defeat Andy eventually. <laughs> Welcome to Keyframes in Betweens, a mini podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow. So for today, we are Panzer Vor. We are going to be talking about Girls in Panzer. I know our longtime fans know that we had a 40-minute discussion about Girls in Panzer back in episode 62, but that was in February 2020, which is before the pandemic and therefore a lifetime ago. <laughs> um even longer term fans uh, of this podcast will know that I have been obsessed with girls in Panzer and tanks and military hardware in general since before this podcast existed. Uh, and uh, I really think the height of the military anime with uh, with what's his face, Taki Suzuki, uh, the military history advisor who worked on Upote and Strike Witches 2. This is the height of the like girls do a cute thing that also happens to involve guns or tanks or ships or airplanes uh it's not as big as kentai kole but it's pretty good um so yeah we are going to talk on this in between about the tv show the anzio ova and the film not the six-part finale series which is still airing and not terribly fruitful to talk about at this point i don't know if y'all watched any of it uh but um just talking about the ups and downs of Kaon but tanks. So uh, I think, Duncan, you have more of a background in terms of being a kid who liked things that were built to kill people at one point. Uh, that makes you sound like a serial killer, which I don't think you are. I mean, we've known each other for a fairly long time. How did How did you feel about girls and panzer before watching it and were any of those feelings changed upon watching it and just your general thoughts i think a lot of my particular sort of interest in military uh, uh stats and models and all those things came at a age quite a young age like mm -hmm. certainly pre-teens and i think a certain amount of my attitude to this show and to uh, military attack in general is kind of colored by that that initially that i will kind of look look at as this this is a this is a childish obsession like there's no value to knowing exactly which world war 2 tank had how thick a plating or how fast it it went or how often it broke down none of these things have any practical application but when push comes to shove that doesn't matter if it's entertaining and girls and panzer is certainly entertaining i don't know it's it's <laughs> it's just i think my enjoyment in, in this show as as i as i've outlined before comes in many ways from how it pushes the absurdity of its world and revels in it it's, it's it's not just like you've got a school on a, a, a aircraft carrier. No, it's you've got a school and a little town which supports it on an aircraft carrier, and uh -huh. and the way 
everyone is obsessed with tanks. Every, it's not... <laughs> These are the the football stars of this world. Like no one is a bigger star than the, than a girl who can drive a, a tank well. And I guess we're, we're going to get into that fairly heavily. That this is all girls driving tanks, and yeah. Yeah. that has a lot of interesting connotations. Yeah, I think um, the commitment that the, that Octus, the production studio, and Mizushima Tsomu, the uh, director. Um, devoted to making this just a world like a weird it's just like a split in like the continuity where like our world just got really obsessed with tanks and like had them really cemented as this like feminine extremely feminine sport that like was like the sign of womanhood was being able to like drive a tank or shoot a tank really well and I, I mean I think that's probably when you were first watching it Jeff I remember that you like reacted to how like in depth the the like weird world building like what what do we need to put into the script to make it plausible that this is just like a world where everyone but especially young women aged like 16 to 18 are obsessed with tanks mm -hmm. so growing up like my, my dad was in the reserves and so we had a lot of like military history and hardware books just kind of in the house i don't know if it was just like youthful rebellion but i never got super <laughs> duper into it like you know, I was, uh -huh. you know, you know, all the all the military history and like prestige went over my head. And I was just like, wow, cool tanks. And, <laughs> you know, that's pretty much like what the energy that the show brings, because it has zero interest in any of the historical implications or, mm -hmm. you know, like why any of these machines were built in the first place or like why they stopped being used. And it's just like, these are cool tanks. They are, we're going to smash them together. We're going to make a world to th that excuses that like you know how are we going to have like themed schools like we'll just have themed schools like these are all japanese schools <laughs> but like this one is like fascist italy for some reason and this one is vichy france <laughs> and this one is the uk and all the people there just like adopt stereotypical habits of those like there's a great more, scene more, more than that like more than that like the the british school like all they're all named after tea it's just yeah. like it's I, I i get the impression that a lot of the schools because there's a i mean we could go into the, the details but like okay like they're like the anzio school uh there is uh -huh. a you know there, you know, there's there's a girl there who's friends with one of the weird history otaku girls, like uh -huh. Caesar. Uh, you know, naturally she uh -huh. has a friend at the Ita at the Italian school, and they still refer to each other with their like proper names, like Hina and Taki. But then she's like, mm -hmm. "No, I'm not he Taki. I'm Caesar." And she's like, "Well, I'm not Hina. I'm Carpaccio or something like that." Because like yeah. all the Italian ones are named after like weird Italian food, and it's just like it seems like when you go to that school, you just like act like that. <laughs> You know, it's just like yeah. a weird, like, school you just, you spirit show, affectation. <laughs> you show up at St. Gloriana, the British school, and you're like, hi, my name, my name's Stephen. They're like, no, you're matcha. Sorry. From this day <laughs> I, I like how that they actually just go ahead and say, these aren't people who have any real connection to those um, places. That yeah. they are literally just like fangirl ships where someone where they've just decided it's we like the tanks of that particular country and so and some abstract idea of what their virtues are and so we're building an entire academy and ship around, around that i, I would yeah. kind of like to see the 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 villages which surround 
show on these ships as well. <laughs> like, is is the the village around the the, Br- the British Academy like li- little co- cottages and that? <laughs> Almost certainly, because like in Anzio, there is like a, a there's a brief clip where they have like reproduced the Roman Colosseum <laughs> on their like school <laughs> ship. So like presumably, if you went to the Pravda ship, which is like Soviet Russia, they have like bombed out Stalingrad as their theming for their <laughs> ship or something. Okay, so Girls and Panzer takes in a world takes place in a world where girls. Uh, the, the primary sport for girls is uh, non lethal tank battles using black powder shells and carbon coating and electronic detection so that no one can get hurt. Although after every time it... I'm just going <laughs> to interrupt and say that never once comes up in the shows that we watch. Like maybe that comes up in the manga or something, but there is like one it's line... The OVAs. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. But like, there's like yeah. one line towards the beginning of the show where they're like, it's like, don't like you, you, it's like, Oh, we're using live ordinance, but we do it carefully. And everybody's just kind of like, okay. <laughs> and that was as, 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 as close as they get to addressing it ever. <laughs> I think, let's just, just really quick to finish up. So yeah, everyone goes to school on aircraft carriers that are themed after different nations. And the show is about a scrappy school that revives its like completely in shambles tank program to, to stop from being closed. It's the love life plot, right? Yeah. Or the idol master plot. I don't know. You gotta um, save the rec center. Yeah, it's very much a sort of a, a thematic subversion of of the of that rather than a uh, a structural one like something like Aquatope. It's it follows mm. the formula pretty slavishly. It's just what they're doing is different. It's just just tanks instead is the yeah. main yeah. part. But yeah, I I do think when when you bring up like childishness i do think that there is like a deep childishness to how to how this world is it's it literally is like play acting where like doesn't someone ask like miho like oh aren't you afraid of getting hit if you're yeah. sitting outside of the cupola like that and she's like oh it doesn't happen much yeah. uh, it's just like literally <laughs> blows it off i mean that's and that's how people feel about tanks like people's interest in the different nations which involve like soviet russia and mid-century era united states and nazi germany like these are nations that have committed atrocities with these implements of war and yet like because the interest is so tank-led people it's just like oh we just really love the sherman tank and that's why we go to the american school which also happens to be rich and mm-hmm. to believe that like just having more military hardware than other people wins it's a very like childish idea where you do get into and that's just how a lot of people unfortunately get into like the nazi pipeline is like German tanks look cool. We, yeah. like half half of the show is about is about German tanks, like even like un, unglamorous ones like the Stug, or I think all of us uh, have like some uh, wargaming or um, uh, wargaming adjacent experience. RTS and, and a lot of the stuff around that, uh, around how the German army as a whole is sort of fetishized as this incredibly efficient machine is very bad myth making it's it's bad in many ways it's untrue and it's uh, leads to bad assumptions around cause and effect but here you've got the tanks are kind of shown as kind of hit and miss like they're not shown as like these universally perfect machines they're shown (laughs) as like oh they, they built this one it was Kind of a bit crap, <laughs> but yeah. no, I, I think I think there's actually a, an extreme fondness for failed prototypes, especially as the show gets on and like runs out of mainstream World War Two era tanks to get into. Mm. Yeah. Like the obsession with the with the Porsche Tiger, which is just like 
it didn't it wasn't the production line tiger because it breaks down all the fucking time it's like mm-hmm. an incredibly over-engineered design that even if it may like that tank can't make it 80 miles without breaking down like it's it's literally a useless tank in terms of combat but you get to have like the mechanic team who's just like yeah we can just like fix it while we're doing it and this is great um and like other weird parts like just like the the nerd team getting super yoked to like <laughs> to run <laughs> Which is the one of the weirdest pl- like they don't are a very very important team like the otaku team who like takes over I think mm-hmm. it's a a type three a like late era Japanese tank that was built to resist the assumed American invasion of Japan never saw combat because of that which is another thing like weird units that never saw combat and getting to like see these tanks that were like the great white hope of these nations in in the midst of defeat and like getting to watch them just like have like staged battles but yeah they like at one point the girl with like the swirly glasses and caterns walks up and she's like oh hey miho and she's like oh hey neko chan and she's like oh we're gonna drive a tank now and like okay cool and then they like can't steer it because the levers are too heavy so they like spend the summer just getting really buff yeah like distractingly like ripped <laughs> and then they're ripped for the rest of the show into the into the finale movies they're just like the buff team also the nerd team yeah, yeah, like, and and it's never like like a central thing. It's just every now and then it'll cut away to them, and they're just like doing like calisthenics <laughs> and weight training on the side of their tank. And then you know during the final battle, they're just like shoving the the you know the shells in with like no problem, like throwing the shells to each other. You know, whereas before they you know like you were saying, like they could barely steer. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing that this show is very very good at because the like the main like school team you know it starts off with like five tanks and every tank has between you know three and six people in it but they manage mm-hmm. to give each team just a just enough like theming and characterization that you could just get like a snapshot of them in a given scene and it's like the, like the characterization comes through and like it isn't even really like link to the tanks for anybody who's like outside of the like rival schools like in the school it's just like you know those are the freshmen and they're all just kind of like giggly at schoolgirls <laughs> with like different you know very one note personalities go ahead well i mean i do think that like it is interesting that they start out being cowards and then they gradually become braver and braver over the mm-hmm. course of the series it's got a lot of very like if this is the um the the script writer is the lead writer who would ultimately like work with Kaon and a couple of other shows like that. And so they're very good at slice of life, like gentle blooming stories. Mm-hmm. And I think they do that with a lot. Basically, the only team that doesn't get character development is the volleyball team, because who cares about the fucking they have one note. <laughs> they they want the volleyball team to come back. And so they're going to like fight in a tank until the volleyball team comes back. It's not very clear. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> there's a series of OVAs. Um, around the main series and the, mm. the first film. And yeah, the, there's also um, Alice War, which is kind of like the epilogue to the Girls and Panzer film. And in that, we just get to spend more time with each of the um, different clubs because they're told the antagonist from the film is going to be transferring to their school and they need to persuade them to stay in the school uh, because she's like a top, top student. And so it's okay. Each club goes, okay, what what can we do to persuade her? And the volleyball club's answer, we'll play volleyball with her because that's all <laughs> they can think of. <laughs> and they have this scene where like the uh, school council are, are standing in front of like the 
the all the all the classes and they just keep asking them and they just keep each one is like the the history people are like oh we'll ask them what their spirit sp- history spirit is and each <laughs> everyone is just as 100 percent concerned with their own thing and not with tanks at all and in the end it, it comes down to um to uh miho who's obviously like the 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 one normal person yeah sorry <laughs> no but that, that actually is right she's both up are sort of anchor and uh, protagonist and like the most normal person in the whole thing and she says well she, she's not coming here because we're the, the best tank school she's coming here because she wants she doesn't want a special um high school experience she wants a normal high school experience and that was, that was kind of like oh every everyone does have their their little thing but what sort of binds it together is kind of just like these bits of normality despite their obsessions but at the same time the like that is almost like a theming of the school like you know in the same way that you have italy school and the imperial japan school like this is like oh this is like the non-ambiori school you know we have like (laughs) 20 some odd square kilometers of gentle countryside and a quiet sleepy little town and we have our you know we have our high school with all the girls in the different clubs and it's it's almost it, it is almost as much like an artificial like Potemkin like theme park of you know Japanese countryside uh, as all the other schools are and yeah so it like at the same time like you're saying like yeah like she wants to come here and have a normal school and like you know these normal people but like it's in such a fantastically weird setting that you know normal quiet you know, slow life is itself like a weird theme that you like opt into when you're like checking mm-hmm. into a school. Yeah, but- I, I do think it, it is very interesting that like there is sort of a, a fractal nature to how the characters are done because like each tank, like especially the main tank crew, the uh, anglerfish or goosefish, depending on the translation you're watching, <laughs> crew that has Miho, the refugee from the like the Nazi school. <laughs> Yeah, the German army, the Wehrmacht school. Yeah, the I Wehrmacht guess, school. Properly. Yes, <laughs> they were. We, you know, we're, we're, we're doing ironic links right? at each other. Don't worry. Yes, um, I mean we'll cover that in a bit. We're going to come back to the to the like the the whitewashing of of fascist and authoritarian governments um, before we go on to like what's your favorite tank? But uh, we do have like the like the boy crazy girl, the motherly girl, the sleepy girl, the like the nerd girl and the normal girl. And then you expand out to the teams and you have the the history nerd team, the volleyball team, the otaku team, mechanic team, hall monitor team. (laughs) And then you go out to the schools and the schools are all separated and they have different personalities. And there's like hilariously over the top Russian team. And there's the Italian team that literally in the OVA for the, for the the film, they like come early and then they make a bunch of pasta and fall asleep and sleep through the final, through the final battle. And they just like get mad about it. Uh, <laughs> like there's lots of like, it's good at like, at no matter what like level of macro or micro you're looking at the character relationships, it has the same sort of like nice, like, Oh, all these tropes positioned very pleasantly that you can just like, you can fix it on is the like freshman tank, the M3 Lee pissing you off. Don't worry. There's a history girls tank and they're the best characters in the, in the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can really like, there's always something to engage on and it feels like a very like experienced script, which makes sense because this was a very like deliberate production committee decision to like create this multimedia juggernaut that, that, uh, that performed beyond expectations. Like the movie, uh, 
didn't didn't break uh, Evangelion 3.33's hold of the top spot, but it threatened it, and it was in theaters like longer. Like it's it was a it was a huge uh, success that caused the finale movies, unfortunately, to be made. I don't want to be down on the finale movies. It's just like they it's it's instead of a of a full season of regular TV, and so instead of getting like 13 episodes in three months, we're getting. Uh, <laughs> we're getting a six hour long movies in a decade. So it's not, <laughs> not, not as, not as good in terms of enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm actually, I'm actually shocked that this did not start as a, uh, like a gacha game because like the way the world is constructed <laughs> almost seems tailor made for that type of thing where you like, you know, you pull for a certain tank and that tank is characterized with like, this is like, you know, like you were saying, like the freshman team and this is the volleyball team. And, like, cause like, 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 and everything just kind of like slots together nicely and you can build your team and like, you know, they have like their interactions and whatnot. And it seems like fun. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that it starts, it started out as a show and then branched out from there. Yeah. And even more so uh, in the manga and the novels. So the manga and novel like counterparts have different characters as a viewpoint character. I believe that Akiyama is the viewpoint character in the manga and Sayori, the, the boy crazy radio operator, is the main character in the light novels. Um, and there's also a big thing in a lot of in a lot of the manga of like having the main tank team become a commander of a different tank because like someone's sick or whatever. So there is like a lot of this like you're very right to, to compare gotcha because I can imagine like you get you like gotcha for different tanks and you can slot different characters into that and they get like different competencies of like gunner or driver or radio mm-hmm. operator or commander. It'd be a great game, but instead they decided to partner with with a world of tanks. So here we are instead. Well, uh, do you want to cover the light stuff first, like our favorite stuff, or do we want to cover the heavy stuff first and like talk about the various and repeated accusations of this is like fascist or authoritarian propaganda. Let's start with the heavy stuff. I I think. Okay. <laughs> start with the heavy stuff. I mean, sure. Yeah, okay, get, it, get, get, get it out of the way. Okay. So, so um, there are a lot of complaints, especially when it was airing uh, the Chinese government, especially felt that girls and Panzer uh, was like blatant military posturing. And um, if they didn't like Japan. the series, what they thought of the film, dear me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, goodness. Um, yeah, promoting, I think it's uh, the China National Defense Newspaper, which is a, a state-owned uh, subsidiary of the People's Liberation Army Daily, criticized the anime heavily for promoting, quote, militarist sentiments behind the guise of cute characters. And I think that's a fair criticism, because um, at least for me, maybe not for other people, like, <laughs> this does make tanks look very cool. It's undeniable. Like... Tanks look fun. They all have different profiles. It's exciting. They literally have a character who like is converted from from flower arranging to shooting a tank cannon because like she finds it so invigorating. And her mother comes around too. This is notable for a show where disapproving mothers repeatedly come mm-hmm. around to mm-hmm. how awesome tanks are by their daughter's enthusiasm. So yes, it make it like it, it emphasizes the mechanical beauty of tanks. Um, the girls give a very easy accessibility. It's not like hard looking men possibly wearing Nazi or Soviet uniforms to like in your way. They're all wearing cute like school uniforms with military jackets over them. But on the other hand, there is the argument that the tanks themselves are harmless. Whatever the violence of the animation we see, like no one ever gets hurt. That, Like I said, they make a point after every time a tank gets blown up. It's like, is everyone OK? And they're like, yep, we're all OK. 
No one got hurt. Does anyone? I mean, like, literally, it's only in Miho's flashback that anyone ever gets hurt Mm -hmm. in a tank that gets attacked. And there is also towards the authoritarian end. I do think that the show does make an effort to show most people who are stepping into the roles of the dictators who created these uh, interwar nations and these World War Two era nations as like useless, stupid, petty children like uh, Kachushka or Il Duce are both just like food obsessed idiots who aren't who aren't smart enough to lead the people that they're in charge of. Which again could make what could be the argument of like making them making these like making us making Benito Mussolini into a, a cute twin tails is yeah <laughs> is definitely something that could be criticized. But I do think there is it's a very ambivalent about the military power and the like dominating force of tanks. I don't know. What do you what did you all come away from it with? I mean, I would argue that the show is even ambivalent to like for as obsessed as it is with military hardware, like what it is actually capable of or what they're used for, because there is, you know, even like the military otaku who watch it, criticize it for it's like wildly <laughs> fantastical, like capabilities of the tanks, like drifting and like launching off each other and like driving on the <laughs> tracks of, uh, uh, roller coasters, the roller and- coaster. Yeah. That, that was an intimate scene too. Not and, as not as mad as people got about the tank drifting, but and and it, like it it just seems like people smashing toys together, and I can <laughs> see that like you, you know if you really wanted to get mad about it, there is like yeah like you know you are taking real life things that killed thousands millions of people, and you are just making you know you're completely divorcing all of the reality from it the physical reality like the mechanical reality the historical reality and just making here are some goofy girls and here are some tanks we're gonna smash them together and we're gonna have some fun and like Mm. i would say it's tone deaf but like (laughs) it's 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 so stupid on so many (laughs) levels that it's hard for me to get (laughs) mad at it It's, it's it's like getting mad at a child playing war like 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 there are people who like oh like you know i saw some boys and they picked up a stick and it was a gun and they they had like a moral panic about that and it's just like okay like you can blame the culture around it for like why that's bad but like getting mad Mm. at the child itself but uh, of course like now i'm infantilizing these like middle-aged men who all like got into a room and spent millions of dollars to make this you know to make this consumer product for to sell like yeah, it's sure. Like, rules, so. but like, yeah, but like, as a thing by itself, it's I'm hard. It's hard for me to get mad at it. But like, it, it's so frivolous that like, you know, I'm the infamous guy who reads too much into everything, and this is just like, oh, this is just toys smashing together. Like, there's no, <laughs> it ain't that deep. Like, I'm the, you know, I'm the <laughs> the last guy to ever admit that about anything, and that's what I'm saying about this. It ain't. That Let deep. me attempt to do your work for you there, then, Jeff. Um, okay. Like. I I think the one thing which I've sort of wondered about is is the is the main main arc of the the series is uh, centers around um, uh, Miho's self imposed exile from her her school um, after mm-hmm. she breaks with uh, tradition slash doctrine and ignores orders to save someone. To, she she ignores orders to not save buddy you know she breaks you know she disobeys the orders <laughs> by saving someone yeah just to make um, that clear yeah and i think that's actually kind of interesting because one of the sort of main moral questions surrounding war is is that 
whichever way it can be civilized. Like people have been asking that for hundreds, thousands of years. Like the idea, the idea of chivalry, not the reality. The idea of like the Geneva Convention, not the reality. And here you've got. An, uh, I mean, and like in Japan, like the idea of bushido was almost entirely invented out of whole cloth. Yeah. To flatter the imperial army. Mm. And and here you've got the school she comes from, where victory has to be the one thing you strive for at all costs, and which have a very um, drilled, strict way of fighting. They're 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 characterized mm -hmm. as very efficient, but not very adaptable. And what she, her style and or or the whole school style is characterized as in counterpoint to that is one that is adaptable which also recognizes the value of its soldiers as people rather than just as soldiers there you're trying to basically say it is correct to disobey an, an order which is immoral rather mm -hmm. than to just go on and do what your commander says and that's I mean, I do think that there is there is the scene during right before the final battle where like she has the tent standoff. Miho has the tent standoff with her sister, her older sister, who is the true heir of the Nishizumi school of like fast, irresistible attack with no retreat. And then like as she's walking away, someone's like, oh, hey, Miho. And it's like the girl whose life she saved in the sinking tank in the river and like they have a nice exchange and then she goes back and like all of her friends are like, you did the right thing by saving her. And she's like, Oh, I don't know, but it's definitely like, it's what I had to do. I think there is like, it's weird that like, it has to very, be very careful about like on an individual level, the moral dimensions without, without really engaging, like having a, a school that's all the German tanks or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it does have, it does like, it does like verify that, that like Miho, the show is very strong on Miho's side. Like mm -hmm. the mother's like, oh, they're in the tournament. I guess I got disown her then. Like that's that's the other side of of, of that argument, and it's yeah, it's not flattering. I, so if someone dis disobeys uh, an officer in the military and gets caught martial, that's often often in the community they come from seen as a humili humiliation, a uh, a social and familial often um isolation they're they're put into afterwards and i i do think it's kind of echoed that by by basically kicking her out of the school there's this community and family where she's grown up and forcing her to to find a new place where she i mean i i get like i don't know when i i i looked back at episode 62 the last time we talked about this and i did quote the same thing from hideki Anno. He says, I know the weapons of war. However, there's a beauty and unadorned functionality totally separate from that. Fighter planes and battleships have a simple unadorned beauty that I am drawn to, but I don't want to see them in action killing people. And that is like the thesis statement of Girls and Panzer <laughs> of like appreciating these these objects that are built for a single purpose, which I think that is kind of the appeal of military for a lot of like younger kids. It's like a lot of things have very blurry uses like a knife can be used for cooking it can be used for killing it can be used for cutting your nails but like it's very hard to use a tank for anything except killing another tank mm -hmm. <laughs> that's really what they're used for um so this like idea of a sanitized war where we get to see these tanks and all of their operational glory but not necessarily 
no one gets hurt by it. Yes, that is propaganda, undeniably. The idea that like tanks don't kill people, people kill people is ridiculous. Um, but it's definitely the thesis put forward. Um, and the idea with uh, with uh, Miho that like, no, my my version of winning is just everyone wins together and no one gets hurt. And it's very weird that that's like the idealistic take mm-hmm. on on uh, Senchado or Tankery or Tankwondo or pan- yeah. Panzerfahren. <laughs> It is the way, the only way that you could make a show about like tanks where people just shoot each other with tanks like every episode. It's very rare that there is no, that a cannon does not go off at least once per episode in Girls and Panzer. And it's the way you make that palatable. And I do think that it's fine to be uncomfortable with that because they are weapons built to kill people. Like mm. the point of the, the purity of their, of their purpose is, is the point. But it's also, I don't know, it's a way to reimagine war as an endeavor covered in flowers and not in blood. Um, and that's also something you can be uncomfortable about. But And it's also a way to reimagine war as sport. Like it is. Yes. You know, it is like there is no illusion that any of this is anything other than sport and pride and. Like, like, like when Miho's mother disowns her, it's purely because she has gone against her philosophy. It has nothing to do with like any kind of like national pride or like an existential danger of, you know, an invading force. You know, it's just that, oh, I don't agree with your philosophy. (laughs) And when you're talking about sport, like, you know, you can have a player who's like, I don't want to win the game. I would rather be friends with everybody. Like you could make an argument that that, you know, that player is not very good at being a sports person. Whereas <laughs> if you are talking about war and you have somebody, you know, taking on a leadership role and saying we are going to try and make this less warlike, then that's good. And there's a sort of like, you know, there's a disturbing, you know, trend in modern society where we try to make war more like sport you know that was you know sort of the that, that's what nationalism is it is turning you know the ambitions of the nobility into like a moral good for everybody involved you know especially the people getting ground to paste in the trenches and right. you know as you know we've come forward like you know that's starting to fall away you know all the major powers are now you know clearly revealed to be just like droning people (laughs) yeah we're droning people everybody is just like a venal asshole like even the people who are you know the good guys are just obviously bought and paid for and so like the idea of nationalism i think is like slowly going away but there is like you know we've talked about before you know not just in japan but all over the place but especially in japan there is a super nationalist sort of reaction to the malaise of modern life to like sort of try to recapture that old pride because like you know old pride is a lot better than current Mm. despair and if you don't have a clear vision of a better future then maybe you know an imagined better past is better and i can see this sort of slotting into that as like you know sort of the first steps of a pipeline that take you to to a darker place that like you know oh you know this this makes tanks look like fun i'm gonna go find out about it hey what are you talking about this war crime maybe that never happened and then (laughs) getting worse and worse (laughs) yeah it's it's a bifurcated pipeline ultimately i think like if you have a tendency to see the futility of war in taekwondo that's one thing and if you decide just to choose for one to cheer for one team to choose one team to cheer for then that's another way i do wonder if this kind of a a sense of localism versus nationalism going on 
that the the idea of um of Orai, uh, their town slash school, doesn't have any identity other than a community. It's their their friendships and like these people who surround the the school, which give it its identity. Right, and it's mm-hmm. weird little cu- customs like their obsession with the anglerfish and that the, the weird dance they make them do, etc. And <laughs> And you have in all the other schools like this monolithic vision of of how someone should act. And here you have something which is far more how people sort of bond together naturally and form small groups. And those groups then in turn form large groups. And you, it's kind of more organic mm-hmm. in, in terms of the, the society it, it represents. And I think that's probably a vaguely positive sentiment yeah i think it does connect to the like the macro micro thing of like we're all the same like the members of a tank are the members of a tank team are the are the participants in the like worldwide tank federation or whatever they call it the wwtf uh (laughs) but uh yeah no i it's something that i don't think like i don't think you can show this to like a rabid nationalist they will just find a team to cheer for but i do like that the show several times, especially Miho, who's, as we said, the one normal, rational person. We've even shown that, like, the supposed, like, guaranteed win system of the Nishizumi school is, like, hidebound. And it can be disrupted by one single shitty tank destroyer running through its ranks, like, completely mm-hmm. destroys the entire attack. But she does say, like, repeatedly, like, this is, this is Senshido, this is not war. Like, there's a distinction. You don't, like, sacrifice things to win in Senshido. Um, because there's always next year, except there's not because the school's getting closed. But that's the <laughs> idea generally up in the air is that like, theoretically, even like the uh, Kuramori Mine school, um, the evil German tank school, like they lost, they, they had like a 10 year winning streak and then they lost because of Miho and they're just going to come back and get it next year. There's not like, I don't know. It's not, they don't <laughs> go up and blow up the other person's ship for it, which I think mm-hmm. would be the response if it was war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like other but, than, but stay tuned for the finale. <laughs> yeah, God. other than the actual like one of the, the the girls in the tank, you know, doing covert you know operations, and then like cleverly editing them together to make them more exciting than they really were to yeah. like show off to her friends. <laughs> yeah, it's all sportsmanship. Yeah. Well, speaking of sportsmanship, um, do y'all have a favorite tank from this show or a favorite <laughs> tank in general? I'm going to just make this really tedious for all of our listeners. I'm sorry. Fucking love tanks. Well, I feel like you should start then, Ben. Yeah. Well, I think I have the most boring answer, which is why I was hoping <laughs> to go last. But um, I really like, and this is just something that I think they just do because they know how nerds, nerd brains work. But I like how they get a Panzer IV and then they just upgrade it through like three of its different production revisions where it gets, it gets up-barreled and then it gets stronger armor and then it gets like the the tack on side armor that was used at the end of the war to try to like keep these obsolescent tanks viable against like the waves and waves of Shermans. I think it's cool how like they level up after every battle they get, they upgrade their tanks and they get more tanks. I just, I just like the Panzer IV. I think it's, it just looks like a very, a very world war II tank. And we get to know it so well because like half of the shots in the show are, are either outside or inside the Panzer IV tank. Um, so that's my boring answer. <laughs> I ended up liking the M3 Lee. 
uh, which is like the freshman girl. Because you like Warhammer. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It looks like something orcs would make. It is like a weirdly asymmetrical. It's got two main guns, uh, one of which is like fixed to the body and only has like a 45 degree like firing arc. Less than but, that. I think it's 20, but yes. <laughs> but like, you know, a thing that like has no impact on its viability in the TV show because, you know, they become weirdly one of the most effective heavy tank killers just through sheer plot. And well, it's because they have, they get their bravery. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like, it, it has this like ugly duckling kind of appeal uh, mm-hmm. that I really appreciate. And like, you know, cause like everything else is like, those were cool tanks and they worked really well. Like, you know, that's the thing about, you know, fetishizing like German tanks is that they were objectively the best tanks and everybody else just kind of like slowly mm-hmm. moved towards something like that. And you know, there are debates to be had, but yes, we don't have to go into that on the anime podcast. Best tanks on the drawing board, not best tanks in deployment, but that's the story of the German army in World War II. So, (laughs) um, and Duncan, what do you think? I'm not, I'm not sure. Like, I, I, it's, I think I, I, I tended to enjoy the crews more than the the actual machines. So, I, well, let's move to that. Let's move to that then. Like, who's your favorite tank crew? I mean, I, th- I think in the end it has to be the school sh- student council because it, it's uh, got it's yeah. got a very good triumvirate of the ex- the the sort of the council uh, uh, president who who just like lazily sits in the back of the tank eating uh, sweet potato snacks. That's sort of the the incredibly high strung. <laughs> yeah, you've got like her, her two who underlings momo momo is the one with the half glasses and yuzu is the boring one so (laughs) she's kind of just the easygoing one who sort of keeps the other two in check stops the the president from doing absolutely nothing and stops momo from doing absolutely everything because she's so high strung (laughs) she tries to She's kind of like the admin who just sits there making sure everything ticks, and I, I like that. As you alluded to, Ben, like they, they, they get a fairly average tank, like not one which is particularly amazing. It's not much more than a self-propelled gun. It has no sort of swivel to its turret. It's just a big cannon on the front of this wedge and like the fact that they get to do some really dumb things with that like a the the attacking of uh, into the rear of the uh the germans into repeatedly and just irritating them and that's their job for most of the movie just to be the this 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 like jack russell running around biting heels and then at the finale uh when we get the mouse the this german super tank which is like double triple the size of everything else we've seen so far that their role is to literally drive underneath it and to and just act as like this door wedge and just to hold oh it in God. place that scene where they cut inside the tank and like uh yuzu the the responsible so the, so the three archetypes are like the lazy twin tails president the like high strung like big boobed uh pr like a head of pr and then the vice president who's like motherly and calm and like the 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 president and the vice president are just like calmly trying to keep the thing going and then momo's just like freaking out in the back she get like grows both of her cat fangs like her glasses are flying off and she's like crying um 
I, I know I often praise like dumb girls, but like how much Momo cries at, over the course of, of the show. <laughs> Cause she's the mean one. She never smiles. Like she smiles in one picture and like in one of the OVAs. Otherwise she never smiles in the entire show. And just, but she like cries all the time whenever she's under any amount of stress, except when she's behind a tank gun, in which case she like just goes sh- absolutely berserk. Yeah. Just fires <laughs> wildly. <laughs> I don't think they actually hit. Yeah, I don't think they actually like hit a single tank throughout the entire series or movies or OVAs. until the president's in charge. Like that's the funny thing is the president's the good shot, and like but she doesn't like she's like oh it's fine it'll be okay like 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 she says like Ina like oh it'll be fine like so much in the show I I love it that voice actress um, is uh, Rika from Haganai and it's Hikage from Nan Nan Biori which is why she's she's on my list now I'm gonna watch out for. Misato Fukuin, Fukuin, yeah, she's she's great. She hasn't actually done that much work, but she like, she, she conveys like placidity in a way that I think is really different for a lot of a lot of voice actresses. Like she just doesn't like the student council president doesn't give a shit. Like she's stopping the school uh, from closing, but if it doesn't work, eh, we did our best. It's fine. It'll probably work out. Uh, how about you, Jeff? What's your favorite tank team? I think I'm. <laughs> Probably. Is it going to be the Lees? Uh, oh, no. Really? Uh, <laughs> like, like, they had like zero characterization. I think at one point, one girl is just revealed one to be talk. kind of dumb. And she just like <laughs> will point out like, oh, look, there's a butterfly. And like, that's her contribution. Mm-hmm. But I think for like actual characterization, I like the, the history of Taku team, who all mm-hmm. have like taken on like a soul name of like, different yes. historical generals you know one of them is erwin rommel but we don't they, they never like really <laughs> go too hard on that and yeah i mean we can go we can go into that about like this show does definitely buy into the like the clean wehrmacht myth um, yeah even especially when they uh reference uh akiyama being heinz Guderian of just like the wehrmacht didn't know what the ss and the nazi party were doing which we now know is untrue but <laughs> yeah they all have soul names caesar also committed like genocide he killed oh, a yeah. million gauls when he was invading <laughs> france so yeah but there's like there's obviously just like a lot of like care and attention to mm-hmm. given to characterizing them like there is a scene when in the ona when uh they have like tea and like there's just like a one second shot of like the like the teacups and each one has a like period uh specific like a teacup and like just <laughs> so much like le- love and attention given to yeah. just like such a little detail and mm-hmm. like and th- and they are just like i think they are like the best representation of like who is watching this show and it's just like <laughs> somebody who just like really really likes this stuff on a like aesthetic and like emotional level and they have very very little care as to like the you know surrounding context of it it, in some levels, I, I kind of think the background level male characters are more representative of the fans than the the actual uh, the g- girls because we we don't have many who even get a name, let alone any characterization. But mm-hmm. I enjoy the uh, it's like the family retainer of of one yeah. of uh, who is just his name's like Shinzaboru or something. It's a very like eccentric family name or something. Yeah. He's just absolute fanboying over this person. <laughs> I, I it's unsure if he's he's like supposed to be a love interest or if he's like just like a a family friend or what. But I think he's a family friend because he's like a student of the mother's like Ikebana school. 
And that's like, so he's like a live-in apprentice for her, but like obviously has a deep amount of affection for Hana. Really, really creative mom. Name, name your flower ranger and you name your daughter Hana. That's, yeah. <laughs> Means flower. Yeah. And, and then you have the town's residents we, we meet who are all like these, just side sidestep into some of our discussions on Aquatote recently. One thing mm-hmm. which annoyed me about that is, is there seems to be only two, um, uh, stereotypes of uh, old people in Japanese media. One is the sort of sage old man who's who's wise and calm, and uh, Aquatote very, very much went in for that. And the other is the belligerent old git, and very much <laughs> this is a show where every bloke we meet in the, the town is just this old man who's having a good rant, and in like my favourite moment of the show is still remains the moment when one of the tanks crashes into a shop and another tank slams into the back of it explodes the entire shop just crashes down and it cuts to the stands and there's the owner of the shop going yeah they blew up my shop yeah 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 apparently like in this world the government like fully recompenses you if it, if your shop gets blown up during a, a taekwondo match so yeah. if you want to talk about uh <laughs> greatly <laughs> uh, sanitizing the impacts of war on the civilian population i mean that's what should happen in war it's not unless it's the you're on the winning side in which case you might get american money but yeah maybe not the the fun thing i was thinking is the director of the uh tank uh society we meet in the the film kind of feels like a director slash producer's uh um representation in in this they're, they're talking about oh okay what's legal in these matches like what what can we allow to happen in this this story and and like one of the things which happens in the film is like they bring in this huge piece of mobile artillery which fires like 900 millimeter shells or something ridiculous and and he, and he's like completely frustrated and worn down by these people who just want to put stupider and stupider tanks into his thing and he's just like he just wants just normal tanks and yet people just put keep putting these incredibly big stupid tanks in and he's like oh come on i mean the show do- the show does love like mega tanks it's definitely another way that's in like the child mode of just like what if they got an even bigger tank and none of your none of your shells pe- pierced it and it was just like invincible it's got god mode on those tanks are very silly <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the yeah the m28 the mouse like lots of lots of tanks that never never fired a single shell at an enemy mm-hmm. uh, under any circumstances whatsoever um but that's part of the that's part of like the dream team mashup this does feel kind of like almost like fantasy football uh but just like tanks um which Speaking of like RTS and war game stuff, like putting together your like ideal force in like a war game, like European escalation or stuff, that shit has like a, a library. You can look at th- huge 3D models of tanks. It's the exact same appeal as just seeing these like extremely attractive tanks. Like this, making the show destroyed Actus. It was they had two two uh, recap episodes because because of running behind in production. Speaking of our speaking of recaps, we talked about, um, but when it happens. When Miho's like running across all the tanks while they're fording because the Lee stalled out uh, while fording a river, like it looks good. They they put a lot of weight into it. It really shows Mizushima Tsomu as a as a director who's worth watching. Between that and Shirabako, that's what really turned me on to him. And yeah, it's 
I would also like I vacillate between the uh, the the Recky Joe, the History Girls, and the Student Council being like the best tank teams. They're the most personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you're going to get like underdog tanks, getting tank destroyers slash self propelled guns is a way to have like a quote unquote shitty tank that can still like accomplish a lot of things. It's so freaking funny when uh, the Student Council team is like shooting wheels off of off of Panzers and they like. There's one page that's like limping up to the to the front lines and they shoot the wheels off of them and like, oh, not again. We just fixed that. <laughs> um, but and but even more so, like, again, the idea that these these groups are permeable, the idea that uh, Caesar has a friend in the Italian school. There's the whole thing during the Pravda fight where uh, Akiyama, the tank nerd of the main the main tank and uh, Rommel like go off and like do scouting and they just like sing this like really grim like marching tune the whole time called walking in the snow uh, which ends up being the theme song for another i think it's the theme song for the the finland school in the finale in the uh, finale movies it's just i mean except for the volleyball team i think i could see anyone being a fan of any team and granted the volleyball team has the worst tank uh which is why we get a bunch of jokes about like oh the type nine don't underestimate the type 90 89 sure it's got a 37 millimeter cannon that can't can't penetrate like regular vehicle armor, let alone tank armor. But nevertheless, there's a, there's plenty of stuff to glom onto. Do you think any of the other schools ever elevate themselves above their stereotype? No. I mean, that's where we get into talking <laughs> about the yes. I mean, Jeff's basically got it. I think that's where we get into talking about the movie, and we realize that like when all the other schools come together to help after the the government official who informs uh the student council that like oh that was just an, a verbal agreement and i decided it doesn't apply anymore so no your your school's still closing and so they have to super extra double turbo prove to him that uh they have a good school like all the other teams that they defeated classic shonen style come to help them but they're basically like each team each of the other teams is basically a tank in terms of where the space it occupies in the narrative and in our heads in our characters name more than three of any character from any other school besides besides uh or i um, i mean i can the, the, i can name two from uh pravda like katusha <laughs> and, and nana like those those two are uh enjoyable when we spend time with them just this dynamic of you've got this tiny child leader of 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 this uh russian profoundly infantilized too just yeah. like yeah. sleeps in a cradle <laughs> and you've got her very stoic um deputy nonna who it may just be he partly he, he, the fact that nonna speaks russian and Kat, katusha do, doesn't and frequently chides other people for speaking russian around her because she can't speak it and she's yeah. paranoid <laughs> And like, like, just she doesn't understand Russian history at all. She has like no, no appreciation of it. She, she just has like this vague idea of of these tropes she should like, and like all these Russian foods, and and like they make a big fuss of of how of putting whether you should eat a spoonful of jam or put a spoonful of jam in your tea when they're meeting the English school. And like, <laughs> I I enjoy this 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 kind of dumb arguing about uh, how food should be cons- done, and that that's that's a kind of nationalism which which really resonates with how how I experience it in in the real world. Like people being like, no, that that's the real way of doing that. <laughs> 
I like how little little she actually understands about out Russia. How like um, in the the film, one the 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 Chinese uh, uh, school people says, "Oh, let's 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 attack like it's Port Arthur," and and Katrina's <laughs> like, "Yeah, yeah, just like at Port Arthur." And, and someone else is like, "Does she know the Russians?" It's lost? the history girls. The history, <laughs> the history girls like you know how Port Arthur ended. You know how that war ended. <laughs> I mean, in general, I do like. I think one of the extra special parts of the History Girls. Granted, I think the History Girls are in the sh- are in the show because like they got their mainstream appearance with like Ken Watanabe's daughter coming out as like a full time Recky Joe. But like tw- t- twenty ten was when like they got mainstream, and so give it a year to make it into an anime, um, and there we are with uh, with them in there. But they do give like a historical consciousness, and they have a whole running joke, especially in the series, of where they're trying to figure out like what what historical event uh, their certain situation is. I think at one point they're like caught in the, caught in the, uh, the winter and like, Oh, this is just like Hakoda. And I looked it up and it's like, Oh, it's the, uh, the Hakoda mountains incident in 1902 when uh, 200 Japanese soldiers froze to death in the mountains. It's the biggest Alpine disaster in, uh, in human history of 200 people freezing to death in the mountains. (laughs) And so just like, but they like go around like, oh, this is like Kane. Like, no, 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 this is like, uh, this is like another battle. And then like someone's like, what about this? And they're like, oh, that's it. That's the running joke. It engages with history very much in a history book sort of style where you are rewarded for knowing facts. And they have a running joke of like someone's like, that's a Panzer three. Looks like a, a Model F by by its things. And, and then she just mutters to herself like, how do I know how to recognize a tank from from sight? It is like, yeah, it, it is very. I mean, it's just gun like gun military otaku pandering of having this knowledge be a world where this knowledge is incredibly rewarded and yet is not like contributing to people's harm or to systems of oppression. I guess going back to the heavy stuff, but it's it's just pleasant. They they people fucking love driving tanks. It's such a like everyone who plays like no one quits because they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Just more people keep joining the team over and over over the course of the movie of the show and the movie like. It's fun. It's the best sport. Everyone loves it. Once you've tasted it, you can ne- like volleyball will never hold a thrill for you again. So, <laughs> and even like where the tanks come from, like there's no like mm. like there's no like so there's no supply chain. There's no anything like that. They they you know they find them in lakes and like buried in the guts of the ship and you know in a <laughs> in a point. cave because you know they used to have or and like one was just like in the parking lot and nobody noticed it they assumed because no one had no one had recovered it that it was broken like it's yeah. like there's a shot of like all the main characters being like oh when they're like oh we thought it was broken yeah it's, it's like how, how does that tank even get in the, the guts of the ship like like somehow down a, this winding labyrinth of small corridors is is a huge tank and it's just just got it's like a ship in a bottle somehow just like popped <laughs> yeah. into a room and no one knows quite how it got there. And there's isn't even like, you know, this is like a post-apocalyptic world where they like, you know, rebuilt things based on like a, a corrupted understanding of history. It's like, no, there, there's no justification to it whatsoever. It's just, oh, you know, we need some tanks. Let's just go look around for some. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, but it is funny like because they, they, they try to hand wave everything like every comment like the the like carbon coating and the black powder shells and they always try to explain it. But when they're like, oh, why are there just tanks randomly around? It's like, oh, we used to have a really good program, but they sold all the good tanks. And then they just like 
illegally dumped all the all the other <laughs> tanks like in random sites around the ship. Uh, like one's like in a lake, and one is I don't know. They have a, a tank barrel being used to hold up laundry. It's just it's a world suffused with tanks, and like I think if you are the kind of like nerd who just obsesses over like one type of industry or like theater of human endeavor like it's exciting to like encounter this world where just like everyone's everyone's just super into what you're into everyone's really into tanks yeah it's a dream it's going to a party and discovering that every single person plays warhammer and has like complex opinions about which army is best for is <laughs> best for different situations you're like oh my god this is heaven and maybe in real life that would soon turn to be hell but in in the miss space of a of a cartoon like it's just like cool everyone like i said everyone loves taekwondo no one quits except for miho and it turns out she was wrong it turns out she's the best commander ever so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well do we want to talk a little bit more about production details yeah i want to talk about the music especially i'm not i'm not someone who usually brings up music but i do think that this show cleaves with a very reliable soundtracking effort which is every school gets a theme and when they're doing stuff, you play that theme. And like, if you go on the Wikipedia page, they have like, uh, which like, I think it's the caissons go, go marching along for the American and I American school. And I forget what the St. Gloriana school is, but it sounds like the Sid Meier's pirates battle theme to me. <laughs> it's like, everybody gets a theme and you, you hear that theme when they're doing stuff and it, it's like stirring and you just, it's got a sort of Pavlovian response that they build up in you. I really, really am impressed by the soundscape, especially during the battles. Um, mm -hmm. They never really explain how anybody can like hear each other <laughs> or like, you know, how they have those special like neck things yeah. that they do. Contact Sometimes. Mics. <laughs> Sometimes, Sometimes they do that. But how like, they don't all you know, have tinnitus after like two minutes <laughs> into a fight. Yeah. And but like like the like the actual like the, like the sound of the battles and like the 3D CG that they do like from like the first person perspective is like surprisingly exciting and engaging. Like even when they're doing the stupid, like, like, you know, like the final three Pershings in the movie, like doing Tokyo drift stuff like that is just like genuinely exciting. Like it's really well shot. It's really fun. Like there's just like, there's a, there's a spirit of fun and excitement. That's just put to the forefront and the, and the sound just like really, works into that like everything like just sounds cool and impactful <laughs> and fun like the rounds bouncing off the armor uh you know is great like it's it's yeah like it's like even just those like those action scenes are fin are fantastic yeah i think um me and ben have talked other times about how the magnificent uh kotobuki has despite its many flaws a astonishingly good uh, soundscape and that's from a lot of the same production team as uh, Girls and Panzer. It's kind of notable for me like how Kotobuki tried so hard to keep many of the things which made Girls and Panzer this very enjoyable show and yet somehow missed the mark so hugely and I kind of wonder what that says about what the first one did right. 
Yeah, I think the problem with Kotobuki, and I'm going to hate myself for saying this, is that Kotobuki had a lot of politics in it. Like, there was shit about, like, the evil councilmen and the different people seizing power. The, the only eruption of the government into this world is just the Minister of Education being like, I'm going to shut your school down. For no good reason. <laughs> yeah, for no good reason. Um, just because he just because he can. He wants to stunt on a on a 17 year old girl and be like, you can't stop me. Um, I think that it's very it's very important that that like the government just like passively facilitates this world. Um, I don't think that would have worked with Kotobuki because Kotobuki was trying to like build something holistic. This isn't just a world where people are wild about interwar airplanes like they are about interwar war and World War II tanks. Um, there's the whole thing of like the tell of like the portal and like yeah. the droughts and the the like attempted coup. And I enjoyed all those things, but it means that you can't just have it means when someone gets shot down, your your response is not, oh, no, maybe they'll lose the battle. But like, oh, no, maybe this world's politics will be shifted forever in a direction that cannot be recovered from, which maybe is a, a casualty of the past five years of uh, events, especially in our countries but <laughs> but um yeah i don't know I, when i watched kotobuki i expected it to be like girls and panzer and i was happy it was different but i don't think it's as good like you just can't have fun watching kotobuki in the same way although mm. the the aerial battles i think are actually maybe a bit more intriguing it's unfortunate how many of the battles in girls and panzer come down to two tanks <laughs> trying to shoot each other first it's like three of the three of the five battles in the original series are like uh oh miho's got to shoot this tank before someone else shoots some other tank mm -hmm. they always pick the weak pick the weak shitty tanks to be their flag tanks we can be extra scared i, I do like the, the moments when they have uh two tanks some sort of obstacle in between them and them just doing loops benny hill style <laughs> which happens a couple of times and it's every single time that that amuses me any show I watch, I, I, I like to try and find like a couple of nice moments to get gifts of and to squirrel away in my cache for another day. And Girls and Panzer, like, it was notable like particularly do any great character animation. There's some good character faces, certainly. Uh, the expressions are very enjoyable, but there's not much good character anim animation, apart from one moment, which is whenever their tank is wrecked and they're trying to get out of it or slumping out of it. And like those moments where there's this one in the Anzio War, which I particularly loved, where <laughs> at, the, at the end, uh, there's like this big pile of Italian tanks they sort of start at the top of the of the shot and this girl sort of like opens the, the hatch and just drags herself up and just sighs. And then it sort of <laughs> scans down and another girl falls out of a hatch and sort of just does a back, back flip. <laughs> These, this is really fluid animation of people just pratfalling out of tanks. And I really enjoy, enjoy that. I mean, I I generally think that Anzio is, is the like visual and stakes height of the show. Like, I think that... Uh, ultimately pitching pitching early and mid war tanks against late war tanks in the in the movie is not as exciting as they want it to be because they're just such underdogs um i think that the show will continue to to in the finale movies show more interest in just like super heavy tanks um versus being a scrappy underdog team that can fight so anzio which is like two two kind of shitty teams like facing <laughs> off like the italians don't have any heavy heavy uh 
weaponry and Ori doesn't really like have enough tanks to counter them in terms of like tactical mobility. And so like that support where the teams feel the most evenly matched, it is the like pacing of a regular episode with like maybe 10 more minutes, but it's got a very like peak and like fall and second height. And then and in conclusion, I mean, I'm never going to stop watching girls and Panzer Cause even if it just continues in the way it is of just like finding excuses for tank battles, it's fun to watch, but I do like when they're, when they're first like beginning to get momentum in the tournament bracket, I think is, is the best moment of the show. And I think they were right to, to have like an extra, extra special bells out OVA uh, where everyone learns to be a good tank tank pilot um, or a good uh, tank commander, and then they have like a face off against a team that will ultimately lose. Like, there's not much of a situation where I think uh, Anzio is going to win mm-hmm. <laughs> win against against them, but uh, it's fun and it's exciting. Um, and there's they managed to make a, a good human element that doesn't necessarily appear in the show otherwise between uh, between a member of the Reki Joe team and one of the Anzio girls, Carpuccio, right? Uh, like, yeah, and like, I will second the Anzio episode as being even if you're if you're gonna watch forty minutes of Girls and Panzer, watch that one because you will get everything that's great about this show, and just like the irreverence of it too. Like, even right at the beginning when they're trying to characterize the Anzio team as like being their <laughs> new rivals, and they're like, you know, the, the, she start, you know, you know. Twin Tails, Il Duce, Gezo, and he's like, you know what they're saying about us? They're saying that, you know, we're headstrong and we're, you know, we fight hard. And they're like, everybody's like, yeah, everybody respects us. We're like, no, it's like, wait a minute. It's like, no, wait, no, they're actually saying that we suck. They're like, what? What? That's outrageous. How dare they? And then like the dinner bell run, rings. Everybody's like, oh, pasta. And they like run off and like, you know, they've instantly stopped caring about the rest of the world dis- disrespecting them. And it's like, is this, is this like the only real instance of anti-Italian racism that's ever been done? <laughs> I mean, everybody kind of looks like, besides the German school who has to be serious to be the bad guys, like the Russians look ridiculous. There's literally when they're trapped in the church and they're like looking out and they're like doing like the Russian kick dance while like eating borscht over it. And they're like, oh man, that looks fun. And then the British are just always drinking tea. Yeah. Like it, in the movie, they start out and they're like surrounded and about to get a lose. And their whole thing is like, they have a model of like of like St. Gloriana will never spill a drop of tea. The, the level of national caricature makes the show more charming yeah because it makes everyone kind of stupid and useless which kind of ups the like it makes the ragtag underdog team seem more plausible as a threat because like i don't know like saint gloriana like doesn't lose an exhibition match against them but then like the the head of the team is just convinced for the rest of the fucking show for the rest of the franchise that they're the best team on the planet and just becomes their fan yeah and so does the american team once they once they lose it's just it's so and they have the American team just like, oh, we'll just attack him with 10 tanks at once. That'll work. It just, oh, it's, well, they're like, in the movie, they like lift away all the tanks, like use their like vast financial resources to hide their tanks for them. Yeah. So that the and then with education can't with, repossess, with, repossess them. And then when they're like flying away and they're like super plain, there's like a shot of them in the, the pilot seats and they have like drink hold, you know, cup holders with like great big, you know, fountain drinks and burgers and fries mm-hmm. that they're all just like stuffing their faces with on their on their way out <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a worse it's a it's a more adept version of the national stereotypes that appear in upate but also upate is like practically etchy while this yeah. has i think very little like body fan service besides the bath 
scenes. Yeah, but... the, the stupid group bath scenes that they insist in injecting into the show, like every couple of episodes. Like, I think actually Anzio might be another reason why it's good is that I don't think there is one in that episode. But like in Not the movie, time. there's like two and in the show, it's like constant. And I'm like, I would like to say to normal people like this is, you know, this is a good example of what makes anime fun. But it's also the perfect example of what makes anime very trashy and annoying sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny because it's it's not. I mean, I have to explain this a lot. It's not particularly titillating. Yeah, uh, I do agree with Duncan that like the character art is kind of is a bit generic. I think the weakest part of the show is like everyone has kind of same face if you cover up their hair, and there's like the typical like bust size jokes. But otherwise, it's like not. It's just like them in a bathhouse talking. Yeah, it could have taken place anywhere. It doesn't even really need to. It reminds me of Sigurd Drifa's bathhouse scenes, especially. Although they put a lot more money in 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 the bathhouse scenes in Sigurd Drifa. I, I think this actually might be an anime with no size jokes. Like, was there one? I don't think there was. Um, no, I, I I mean I don't want to get I don't I don't want to go on record, Jeff. Yeah, they constantly <laughs> have situations where like there would be one, but I don't think there is one, which is like weird in itself. <laughs> So definitely not definitely not representative of anime. So so, so, the, no. so this is the this is the Jeff test. Like if if an anime doesn't make a joke about women's breast sizes, it's it's classed as a progressive anime. <laughs> that's, 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 that's definitely how, what Jeff said. That's yeah, you yep. can definitely Jeff yeah. doesn't that, need to talk. The, yeah, that's, that's the extremely <laughs> low bar we're we're gonna draw for everything going forward. Well, I mean, if you're looking for a Bechtel uh, style test, that was itself a joke test to like show how how low the bar is and how how frequently anime will smash its face directly into it yeah <laughs> i mean i will i will say like into like just like kaon like these girls never talk about i mean except for fucking sayori who needs to like go to therapy um <laughs> or stop or stop posturing like no one really talks about boys like even when sayori is like are you gonna find a boyfriend miho she's like no i'm i'm kind of married to, to tanks so yeah I don't I don't need to date a guy, although they do trick the freshman to joining by being like, you'll get a boyfriend. You'll be so feminine if you drive a tank. Uh, <laughs> and then there's the, the, the amazing joke where one of the freshmen's like, my boyfriend broke up with me because all I do is talk about tanks now. And they're like, oh, it's too bad. It's like, oh, well, it's yeah, like you can stop driving tanks. So I think they, they're very much aware of the tropes surrounding like girls schools in in fiction, like the, like how they are apart from society like the, the the like this 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 idea that women need to be separated from society in order to learn purely and this sort of like takes it to its logical ex absurd extent by sticking them on mm. an aircraft carrier in the middle of nowhere uh, and and then just having these this idea of femininity which is at a complete contrast to what our traditional one would, and like that's, I think the fact it has a a, a writer at the, its helm who is a woman has to be something which brings in that that attitude to both the way girls' schools are seen in media and the way boys act around military hardware and how mm -hmm. I, I I know we 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 keep saying in again and again it is a very it feels very slight but i do think sometimes you can slip a kind of subversive message through by, by saying it softly yeah 
Yeah, I mean, they are. I, I think that was ultimately my conclusion when we talked about this, like, I don't know, a year and a half ago, more than a year and a half ago, is that like, yeah, it's gentle rebranding of these these weapons. And I, I think that the people who made them would be kind of humiliated to see like <laughs> little girls using them as like a very light a light sport that you know it's considered feminine um, i'm not saying that that diffuses their obvious obvious place in the human psyche like you can't deny a tank is it, it looks like it's it's a car built to kill people so you can't get away from that but it does have a slight subversiveness and at the very least i think it's a neutral a neutral force um although people are of course welcome to disagree yeah a good companion piece to this uh, would be The Wind Rises. You talked about Anno mm-hmm. and his uh, attitude to military hardware. Well, Miyazaki has <laughs> a, a distinctly similar one, and Anno is the man he picked when he wanted to channel uh, the designer of the Japanese Zero fighter plane, and so he picked uh, Anno to voice him. And if you want a, a, a more sober <laughs> reflection on the idea of military hardware as objects which are removed in some way from their purpose then that's a, a interesting companion piece maybe yeah i have i have complicated feelings about the wind rises because i think it's a it's a beautiful and well-made movie but i think it ultimately kind of concludes with a shrug when it comes to like what is the design what is the responsibility of the moral yeah. responsibility of the zero's designer towards what the zero did and i think that the movie ultimately concludes like Eh, you made an airplane. You can't really tell them what to do with it, um, which I think is a very normal response. But I don't think it's one that's particularly fulfilling. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're really trying to wonder like what is the ethical dimension of watching these shows that like humanize, if not war itself, then the tools that are used to wage war. I do. I think the best thing almost to come out of the wind rises is. Uh, what you see in the documentary The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness where they've got, they've got that amazing shot where uh, Miyazaki talks about how otaku are disgusting and how they fetishize objects and they don't appreciate like uh, appreciate what they really mean and then it's a smash cut to Ano like flying around a metal plane while like Miyazaki looks rapt at him and they're like he's making like noises oh it's so good uh, that entire documentary that's where you get all the memes of Miyazaki being like I don't believe happiness is possible or or uh, uh, anime is childish now, and no one can possibly, no adult can possibly derive satisfaction God. from watching it anymore. It's like, so. I'd, 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 I'd love to like be one seat back from Miyazaki as he watches a girls and Panzer film. I think he'd be disgusted by it. Honestly, I think he'd yeah. be like, "There's no, there's no, there's no reason for these items," as opposed to Porco Rosso, which is obviously, I don't know. I think Porco Rosso is has a similar in a different decade performs a similar role as girls in panzer, but it's like wistful aging mm. man story versus like cute girls try to save their school story. It shows how like the genre changes or the subgenre changes, but the tools to, to tell the story stay the same. Um, and it's no mistake that I love Porco Rosso. It's yeah. probably my favorite Miyazaki. And I love, I love girls in panzer. <laughs> it's, Nef, not my favorite Mizushima Tsomu, but I don't know. We need to watch uh, the Shirobako movie and do a tween on that too. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and it's worth saying that um, that the role that w- women play in the construction and uh, designing of planes in um, Porco Rosso is is not mm-hmm. a small one. And like 
that moving it that the antagonist of that of that tale is is a young man and our hero is someone who has grown tired of of like that childish mm-hmm. toxic max masculinity who feels cursed by it who feels cursed mm. by the yeah, the moral weight of the things that he's done yeah. yeah no it's i mean not to i've i've talked up Porco Rosa so much but i think like the idea that like oh i saw him at one moment and he looked like a man again and then i never saw him again ever and it's just that's the sort of bittersweetness that i don't think i don't think girls and panzer could or even should yeah. really engage with mm-hmm. um this is about this is about a happy coming of age thing it's a show especially the tv show is just about like miho finding herself like the last major line is just her telling her sister like oh hey i found i found my shinshido like i finally found myself it's it's sweet in that way um it's much more in keeping with something that you would show on disney channel if it weren't for the uh yeah, yeah. for the bathing scenes so. <laughs> well cool um maybe we can revisit this in like the year 2032 when they finish airing all of the finale movies uh <laughs> but until then that seems like a good place to stop it i hope you all both enjoyed it i always feel bad to like gush over stuff that's like obviously been focused in a way that's more palpable than normal i'm just like oh it's a show about tanks or planes or guns and I'll just watch it. I'm not really interested in battleships, weirdly. I've never been tempted by, like, Kante Kole. But also where the girls are, the machinery, I'm not, a, like, I don't want care about strike witches. They just have, like, rocket engines for legs. That's not that's not the same as, like, seeing a cool jet plane. No, but uh, for some people, it clearly is. Sounds so, very strange. <laughs> so, no, I, I appreciate y'all. <laughs> I mean, people love strike witches. I That's the thing tempting me the most is, like, people who are, like, military obsessive weirdos love strike witches, but... I don't know. Karma Burn calls it the war against pants. So I don't know if that's necessarily what I want to be watching. But thanks for watching this with with uh, with me again, y'all. This is like the fourth time I've watched this show. So obviously I love it or I have a problem or both. OK, so rate, review, subscribe to us on uh, the podcast platform of your choice. Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Email us questions, keyframespodcast at gmail.com. And of course, tell a friend. Tell yeah. an old friend <laughs> who you used to go to elementary school with. And then she went to the Italian school and you went to the school without a definite ethnicity associated with it. Uh, <laughs> but you still hang out. You still talk on like instant messenger or whatever, whatever kids have these days. I guess like Snapchat. Um, yeah. Tell that friend. Yeah. And say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.